sponsored by Brilliant. We are deep in the WWDC 2020 aftermath now, and there's lots more to come, including deep dives, previews, reviews, and tomorrow, a very special interview. So hit subscribe right now so you don't want to miss any of it. Meanwhile, even after five videos in five days, you all still had so many questions, so many about everything Apple announced and about everything they left unsaid. Well, that's just exactly why this channel exists. I'm Rene Ritchie, and this is your WWDC 2020 questions answered. First up, Sean on my Patreon. Yes, I have Patreon. I went India a couple of months ago, remember? Anyway, Sean asks, why no new hardware, specifically those rumored Intel Macs at WWDC? So I think when Apple does do hardware at WWDC, which isn't every year, I think they tend to do it, um, especially when there hasn't been a March event, because everyone is all in one place. It's just logistically so much easier and so much more efficient. On Apple's side, they have all their marketing people, everyone from all over the world, but they also have all the press, all the media, all the reviewers from all over the world, from Europe, from Asia, again, all in the same place at the same time. And that means it's just incredibly easy to do all the product briefings, all the product demos, to do Pepsi challenges if they want to show off how they work compared to the competition. And if they hand out review units, it just that's so much easier to do in person than trying to coordinate on a, on a global scale. And because this year it was virtual, they didn't have to worry about any of that. They could take their time. They could spread it out. For example, we could get product drops every week throughout July, or we could get a product showcase in July, and they'll just handle it the way they've handled the iPhone SE and the new iPad Pro uh, recently. And that's better for them because they get to have all the attention on the software and Apple Silicon announcements at WWDC and not splitting it with like Intel iMacs and, and things like that. But also when they announce those products, those products won't be splitting attention with widgets on iOS or all the other WWC announcements. Andy from Patreon asks, should we expect to see major changes in the Apple Silicon Macs right out the gate? And Winter Charm on Patreon provides an example. Will our Macs get cellular modems? Will we see a cellular MacBook Air like we've seen iPad Air? So I think it's going to be a little bit of both. I think Apple is absolutely going to want to impress with the first Apple Silicon Macs. But I also think Apple, the way Apple typically rolls is they put out the first version and then they iterate year after year, version after version. They just make it better and better. Some of those things, uh, for example, like the cellular modems, rumor has it that Qualcomm... Licensing is kind of expensive for that stuff. And we already see that with a $120 surcharge for the iPads that come with cellular. So we could very possibly get Qualcomm modems and 5G built into this, but it could cost a couple hundred bucks more for that to happen. Other features like things I'm hoping for with the chipsets, things like Face ID, I hope that kind of stuff goes in as well. But again, I think it'll, it'll be staged out over time and Apple will absolutely build towards the kind of differentiation they really want and the whole reason they moved to Apple Silicon to begin with. Ruben Flores from Patreon asks, gathering for WWDC gave developers a real sense of community. How did WWDC feel without everyone actually being together? Enjoy your WWDC content. Thank you, Ruben. So I think there are some real pros and cons both ways. Like obviously as someone who's gone to WWC every year for the last decade or more, I really miss just seeing everybody. Especially now that it takes place in San Jose, it feels like the Apple community, what you used to see at Macworld and events like that, just all come down to San Jose for the week and kind of take over in every coffee shop and restaurant and bar. And it's it's much more than WWDC itself. And you run into people that you would just never expect that you don't see all the time, sort of the serendipitous encounter sort of thing. But also 
WWDC as a physical event is restricted. Like you have to win a lottery ticket if you're a developer to even attend the sessions and you have to be able to afford to fly to San Jose and to stay at the hotels, which is just getting more and more expensive. And also if you don't know people, especially in real life, it can be much more intimidating to talk to them or to hang out and it can end up feeling kind of lonely sometimes as well, where in the virtual community, Everybody is uh, sort of on equal footing. You all watching the event together, all in the same place. It's not some people in the venue, most people outside the venue. And also everyone had access to the labs. It was a lottery still, but you didn't have to actually physically be there to get access to those labs. Anybody could apply. And we were all sort of, our community became Twitter and everyone was there talking. And for a lot of people, especially introverts in technology, it's so much easier to talk and engage over Twitter. So I hope Apple in the future gets sort of a best of both approach where they can take everything that worked so well, including the keynote, and add back those events that really can only happen in person. And we get a hybrid that's much more available to everybody. William from Patreon and a bunch of you from just everywhere noticed there was no Thunderbolt port listed on the dev kit and want to know what's its future on Apple Silicon Macs. So Thunderbolt is a technology that Apple developed with Intel, but Intel owns that technology. Recently, Intel's been licensing those technologies. So for example, you can get motherboards that'll support Thunderbolt with AMD chips instead of Intel chips, or they could go straight to USB-C 4 and just include Thunderbolt as part of that. Gabriel, right here on the YouTube channel, Community tab asks, should I wait for the ARM MacBooks or go for the Intel MacBooks on back to school sale right now? Stephen asked the same about iMacs. And just so many more of you asked that question in general. So here's my always advice. Wait as long as you possibly can to buy. And then when you have to buy, buy the best thing you can buy and then enjoy the hell out of it because there will always be something new or next. Have zero regrets. So with this in particular, there's two different segments that I would say for this. If you are a traditional Mac user, if you're somebody who works in production, who has workflows, who has software that absolutely positively cannot break, then you should stick with the Intel Macs now or buy a new Intel Mac now because they're still gonna be getting a few years of new software updates and about half a decade of software support. So you're better off buying the last, the best of Intel and enjoying that for the next few years while the early adopters grapple with the first and newest of ARM than you are trying to change everything over all at once while Apple's doing the same thing. But if this is gonna be your first Mac, if you're coming over from an iPhone or an iPad, or you are just an early adopter, or if you just wanna be there trying out the latest and the greatest, just wait and go for the Apple Silicon Macs. Have fun. Tech Geek on the channel asks, are the double and triple back taps available on every iPhone? And Kristen wants to ask, if not, why are they limited? So the double and triple taps are only available on the modern iPhones, on the, on the iPhones with Face ID, the iPhone 10 and later. And the reason for that is it uses the new accelerometer system that was developed for the iPhone 10, the one that lets you do tap to wake. So the older iPhones don't support that. So if you can tap to wake your iPhone, you can double and triple tap to use those new configurable systems. Russell on the community tab asks, what are your thoughts about the Siri announcements or lack thereof? So. I think they're fine. Um, they're okay for what they are. I really, really, really wish that Apple would be far more aggressive with Siri, though. I think voice computing, ambient computing, is going to be a huge part of the future for Google, for Amazon, for Apple, for everybody. And I really, truly think Apple needs an aggressive strategy to get towards Siri OS. And what I mean by that is something like the Star Trek computer, like Jarvis or Friday on the Avengers, something that makes voice interface 
not replacing graphical user interfaces or multi-touch interface interfaces, but being right there alongside it. I said this before, but I think Johnny Saruji's Silicon team has been absolutely critical to the last decade of Apple. But John Andrea's machine learning team is going to be as critical for the next decade of computing at Apple. And I really want to see that sort of A7 moment for that machine learning team. I just want to see that leap forward. Edgar on the community tab asks, will you be able to run iPhone and iPad apps on Intel Macs? Also, some people asked how secure iOS apps will be on Apple Silicon Macs, since Macs aren't as locked down as iPhones or iPads. You won't be able to run just out-of-the-box iPhone and iPad apps on Intel Macs because they don't support the same uh, instruction set. They're on x86 and not ARM64. So you won't even have the opportunity to download them, much less run them. But for developers who really want to take the next step with those things, they can use Catalyst, which is the project name for UIKit on the Mac. And they can turn them into more full-fledged Mac-like experiences. So if they do that, if they take their iPhone and iPad apps and turn them into Mac Catalyst apps, then those will run both on the Apple Silicon ARM-based systems and on the Intel x86 systems. For the security thing, Apple has said they're doing two modes. So basically, by default, Apple Silicon Macs will be as secure as iPhones and iPads, and you'll be able to run iPhone and iPad um, apps on those but you also have the option to go into reduced security, which makes them more like traditional Macs. And in that mode, uh, you just can't run iPhone and iPad apps. Mode on the community tab asks, basically, given macOS Big Sur's more spacious design, do you think Apple is gonna make ARM-based Macs with touchscreens? And I got a bunch of questions about this too. Okay, so the best way I can answer that is this. When Apple says they don't like the experience of touch-based Macs, it's not just because they looked at the question and then just thought about it. They actually prototype everything. They have billions and billions of dollars and anything that we sort of throw around as an idea on blogs or podcasts or videos or Twitter or anything, they can actually afford to prototype and test out and experiment with it. And they've done that with touchscreen Macs. They've made touchscreen Macs for years and they just don't like them and don't think that they're good enough to be a product that Apple wants to release with their name on them. But what I'll add to that is Apple also famously changes their minds. For example, Steve Jobs wanted nothing to do with small tablets. He thought they were dumb. He said that you'd have to shave down your fingers just to use them. And Eddie Q went and got one and made the case to him and said, no, these are great. They're they're a fantastic experience. They answer these customer problems. And Steve changed his mind and we got the iPad mini. So that sort of thing can happen. And as usual, done in a very specific Apple way. A couple of years, Apple invents the touchscreen Mac. Patrick on Instagram asks, will there be a price difference between Intel and Apple Silicon Macs? And a lot of you asked in general if Apple Silicon Macs will be cheaper than Intel Macs because no beefy Intel markup, presumably. My guess is based on what they've been doing with iPads and iPhones and Apple Watches lately, they'll use the cost savings from their own silicon to make some Macs, entry-level Macs that are cheaper than the Intel versions of those Macs are today. But at the pro end, they'll use the savings on the silicon to just throw way more features in for the same price. Gary on Twitter asked if Bootcamp, which is what currently lets you dual boot into Windows on Intel Macs, will be present on Apple Silicon Macs. And uh, no, Craig Federighi on John Gruber's The Talk Show uh, Remote from WWC answered that question and said, no, Bootcamp is going to be a relic of Intel Macs and it's going to be all virtualization on all the Apple Silicon Macs going forward. So things like VMware and Parallels and uh, no more dual boot. 
Jonathan on Twitter asked if Apple will be moving away from AMD graphics in the future and developing their own custom Apple GPUs to replace them. So as part of the presentation, it showed that Apple was making their own custom GPUs as part of their systems on a chip, their SOCs for the Mac Silicon. Well, we don't know if that's just for some Mac Silicon or for all of it. Currently, Apple uses Intel embedded GPUs on the lower end MacBooks, including the MacBook Pro 13 inch, uh, and on the very, very lowest end iMacs, but they use AMD GPUs, discrete GPUs in everything else. And AMD has some really good Navi 2 RDNA architecture GPUs coming out. Apple just started including those in the 16-inch MacBook. So it's possible that Apple could replace embedded Intel silicon first and work towards creating uh, GPUs that are powerful enough to replace the discrete, the dedicated AMD GPUs later. But I think owning the total GPU stack is absolutely on Apple's roadmap. Karan on Twitter asks, in theory, could you install macOS Big Sur on the iPad Pro because it has the same chipset as the dev kit? So out of the box, I mean, of course not, because none of the stuff that you need is there. Like none of the stuff to drive any of the iPad Pro specific hardware is there. And also there's a severe RAM limitation. At best, there's six gigabytes of RAM on an iPad Pro, the older ones less. Uh, And Apple's providing 16 gigabytes on the developer machine. And most Macs start at that now and just go up from there. But I think we've all learned over the years never to underestimate the creativity and ability of, you know, everyone in the community from poor teenagers to established hacker and hobbyist type people. We've seen that in the in the community, Hackintosh community. So in theory, I mean, it's ARM86 is ARM86, but it's just everything else would have to be done. Crown on Twitter asks, What's your view on AR, augmented reality releases from WWDC 2020? There is some stuff in AR Kit 4.0 and Reality Kit that's mind-blowing. I'll play a little video from Twitter and hope for the best about that. But just things like being able to take all of Apple's map data and look around data and pull that down and realize it. I don't know what the right word for that is, but just realize it all around you with the point cloud from augmented reality and the positional information and any photographs you've taken from uh, your vicinity and the position and orientation of your device. And it's just, it is literally brain boggling how far and how fast Apple is taking ARKit and probably for very, very good reasons. Last question, Samsoft. Samsoft, really? Why not Microsoft? Okay, holy wow, whatever wants to know how they can compete with Apple on all of this new system intelligence and machine learning stuff, much less Google. Well, the easy answer is Brilliant's new neural network course. Here's an example. You have to locate your keys, but your room is just hella messy. As you look, your wall tiles change colors, revealing how close or far your last guess was from your keys. Even if you have no clear indication how to structure your guesses, you can still get better round after round, figuring out your strategy, based on the feedback and finding your keys in surprisingly few guesses. Brilliance Brilliance is teaching you complex concepts just like this by breaking them up into bite-sized, understandable chunks. You start by having fun with their interactive explorations, but over time, you'll be amazed at what you can learn. Go to brilliant.org slash Renee Ritchie and sign up for free. And the first 200 of you can also level up with 20% off the annual premium subscription. Thanks, Brilliant. Thanks to all of you for your support. Check out the WWC 2020 playlist for more and see you next video.